You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Thursday, July 20th. This is The Christian Commute, and here is the situation. I had a meeting scheduled with my boss today at 2 o'clock. I assume she was going to tell me to do some stuff. I don't know. She postponed the meeting because something more important came up. When that happened, I was as good as gone to Dub's on the Hog Barbecue in Calhoun. And that's where I'm pulling out of right now. I'm going to finish the day working from home. So since I'm leaving from dubs, it means two things. One, (coughs) shorter show. Two, pauses while I drink my half-sweet, half-unsweet tea. I drink half, in case anybody's wondering, I drink half and half for health reasons. Not that I think the tea is too sweet. Some people get down here, oh, that's too sweet. You can't make it too sweet. But for health reasons, I get the half and half. Less sugar. So I got that going on. And I have not a full show for you today. Don't have a full one. No one sent in a question to the inbox. Nothing to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. Seth done 88 at gmail.com or you can dial 470-315-0875 that is 470-315-0875 I had somebody tell me either yesterday or the day before yesterday oh I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I need to send a question in I'm going to send one in whenever somebody in real life tells me that I know that I'm not going to get a question because Veda Dunn asked me. I'm sorry for the grammar on this show, but it's just, you know... Hold on. They would have already asked me. Let me sound educated. They would have already asked me the question if they really had. Because people who know me in real life would be like, oh, Seth's a theologian, I'll just ask him. So when I know somebody and they're like, oh, I haven't had any questions, they're like, well, I'm going to send you one. No, you're not. If you had a question, you already asked me. It's like these people you see. I'm telling, oh, we need to get together sometime. If you wanted to get together with me, you would say, hey, can you meet me at this place at this time? Like, let's do it then. But the people who say, oh, I'm going to send, they're not going to send one in. I'm not going to do it. There's no intention of that person sending a question in. But I wish somebody did have an intention of sending a question in to SethDunn88 at gmail.com or dialing 470-315-0875 because the Christian commute is your theological roadside assistance. Questions about theology and apologetics. 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 Keep them short enough for me to memorize. You know what? I'll take a long one. If you send something, it could be it could be two pages long. I don't care at this point. Just send me the question. Tell me where you're from. The last question I got 
was from a fellow Chattanoogan. I didn't ask her if she was a native Chattanoogan, but I, I'm, that's where I'm from. I was born there at Memorial Hospital, which doesn't deliver babies anymore. Okay. My granddad died at Memorial Hospital. What if I died there? I wonder how many people die in the same hospital they were born. I don't know. That's a morbid thought. Let's get on with the show. Today's show topic is youth worship. Youth worship. I may come up with a uh, catchier title when it comes time to type it into the computer, but that's what I'm going to be talking about. <coughs> and as always, we have the Bible chapter review, and it's a long one. It's chapter or uh, Verse 16 through 22 of chapter 23. And it had to be long. It just had, it's two notes. It's a two-show note day. And there's just no way around splitting this one up. Really, I could have included yesterday's statement with it because it goes with the same statement of woe, but I just, I just couldn't fit it. So Matthew chapter 23, verses 16 through 22. Jesus has just condemned the Pharisees, says, Woe to you, 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 <coughs> you travel land and sea to make converts, and they're twice the sons of hell as you. Woe to you, blind guides! Guides. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, "Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing; but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated." You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And you say, "Whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing; but whoever swears by the offering that is on the on it is obligated." You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, the one who swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. And the one who swears by the temple swears both by the temple and him who dwells in it. And the one who swears by heaven swears by both the throne of God and him who sits on it. You people hearing this outside of that culture really might not know what a, a condemning statement that is. Jesus is telling these guys they're blaspheming God. Now, you long-term church people, you, you know this already, but let's continue with the Bible chapter of you. Maybe some of you are hearing this for the first time. Elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And he's saying, don't swear by anything. And why is he saying this? Because back in that time, people would swear by things. And they would do it in a, in a formal manner, manner. People today do it. Like, when somebody, I swear on my mom's grave, I'm telling the truth. Well, when they say that, they don't expect you to go dig up their mom if you find out that they're lying, you know. But people would, would make statements and promises to people. And they would swear by something to emphasize that they're going to keep their promise. But there was a hierarchy of things you could swear by. 
So if you swore by the temple that you were going to do X, but then you swore by the gold of the temple that you couldn't do X you, for whatever reason. Some conflict came up. You could tell, well, you know, I know I swore by the temple that I'd do X, but something more important came up and I had to swear by the gold of the temple that I would do X, which the gold of the temple is more important than the temple. So I had a higher obligation than the lower thing by which I swore. So they would swear by something, but there was always something higher they could swear by. So I didn't. So I didn't swear by God. I, you know, I, I swore by the altar, not the offering. So it was always some wiggle room. And what it comes down to it, when people are swearing by things and they're saying, "Well, I'll swear by something lower in case I don't keep my word," they're basically saying there's a possibility I'm not going to keep my word. So Jesus said, "Don't swear by things. Let your yes be yes and your no be no." That's why people, until this day, when they got their hand on the Bible in courts, and I swear to truth, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and they say, so help me God, because they know they're not in control. So help me God, because something can happen where I don't have the power. So help me God. That's what they say. But you're not supposed to swear by things. And these people were swearing by things, especially lower things, so then they could argue about which which things were the higher thing to swear about or swear uh, swear on so they're the, you know they're the kind of people who would debate amongst themselves like was you know is it okay to swear by the temple what about the foundation of the temple what about the outer court of the temple and they and they say you guys are disingenuous liars your problem is not that you're swearing by higher or lower things your problem is that you don't intend to keep your word you're not good people you're deceitful. And Jesus is telling them, you guys think that you're being cutesy with this, that you're not obligating yourself to something high. But he's like, because you swore by the temple and not the gold of the temple, which is a valuable part of the temple. You know, Obviously, gold is just as valuable today as it was then. And Jesus shows them how stupid they are or how ridiculous they are because he says that gold is valuable because it's the gold of the temple. The temple sanctifies it. The temple's a holy place. That offering is holy because it's on the altar of the temple. So if you're swearing by the gold, you're swearing by the temple. If you're swearing by the, the altar, you're swearing by the offering that's on it, the thing that you think is a higher thing. They're all linked in together. And he goes, when you're swearing by the temple, you're swearing by the one who lives in it. And that's God. Because the Ark of the Covenant, which was supposed to be in the temple, they'd lost it by then, was uh, supposed to be where the presence of God was manifest. And if you swore by heaven, also, that's where the presence of God really is, God's omnipresent, but anyone who swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and one who sits on it. I swear by, oh, I swore by the throne of God. I didn't swear by God. Yeah, you did, because you swore by his throne. That's what makes the throne important. That is God's. And that's the point Jesus makes elsewhere when he's saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Well, you swore by the earth. It's God's footstool. 
Everything is God's. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Stop trying to leave yourself wiggle room. Now, by the way, if, you, if, if you're making a, a contract in, in the modern times, it's okay to put a contingency in that because both parties are agreeing that there's a contingency. Let me think of something. All right, let's say, well, I used to be a purchasing manager, and I would tell, uh, or some guy who worked for me, would tell the company that we promise in a supply agreement with you to buy 10 million pounds of crumb rubber. You guys know what crumb rubber is? It's ground up tires. And there's two kinds that you see on a football field. One is shredded up tires, and one is tires that somebody froze and then smashed with a hammer. And that's, that's cryogenic rubber. It's more expensive. I don't know what makes it better, but it's more expensive. So if you're watching uh, football on TV, And you see the running back make a cut. And you see black stuff fly up from his feet. That's crumb rubber. And the chances are, if that field was made in the last six years, I bought the crumb rubber. Or some guy who worked for me did. I didn't, I didn't fill out the POs or call the guy. I had, I had a guy who worked for me. He was good. He just handled it. Anyway. We would, if we were saying, we're going to buy 10 million pounds of crumb rubber for you, we might have a contingency that said, uh, but if the uh, if inflation is greater than 15%, then we're not going to do it because what we're thinking is if inflation goes that high, we're not going to be able to sell as many fields because it's a luxury item. You know, they're just I'm just I'm making that up. That's not a real contingency we put in a contract. But you could look forward and say that I am going to I'm going to perform this unless X happens. You guys have heard of acts of God or force majeure. <coughs> so there's some things in contract law that says, well, you don't have to keep your contract if there was an act of God or even an act of war. Like if you're the if you're the company that runs the World Trade T Towers and you have a cleaning, you've contracted somebody to do the cleaning, and you say we're going to pay you this much, and then the tower get, gets destroyed by terrorists, well, obviously you can't enforce that contract. So stuff like that happens. That's okay as long as you're up front with it. And it's all very concrete. These Pharisees are just deceitful people. That's why their converts are twice the sons of hell that they are. Because they're teaching people the same garbage about swearing by higher and lower things instead of just being an honest, forthright person whose yes is yes and whose no is no. Now let's move on to the show topic, youth worship. Remember a couple shows ago, uh, yeah, a couple shows ago, a couple days ago, a couple shows ago, I said... What is the biblical difference in the qualifications between a, a senior pastor and a non-senior pastor? And my point was there's not one. Now, where should, <laughs> whether, you, whether you use the normative principle or the regulative principle, where should we get our idea of worship? It's from the Bible, right? The Bible to tell us or inform us how, how to worship God. 
Now, let's move, let's move beyond that. Let's, let's go to real life. In real life, as if the Bible's not real life, it is. But here's, here's what the Bible says, and here's what happens in real life. How about that? Because people don't always follow it. Somewhere out there, in a town just like yours, in a Baptist church just like yours, in a world, there's a senior pastor and there's a youth pastor, even though there's no such thing in Scripture. And then you know what else there is? There's adult worship, big church, if you will, what's going on in the, the main sanctuary on Sunday, and then there's youth worship, and it's separate. Where in the Bible do you see a congregation together, whether the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the adults are all worshiping in one place, and then the youth are worshiping in another place? And then youth, I'm saying 12 to 8, 17 years old, 13 to 17, middle school and high school. Sometimes middle school worship and high school worship is separate. Now, I'm not talking about Sunday school, where for the kids go for one hour to learn to, about Bible stories that the adults have already heard 50 times and they learn about Noah's Ark and they they color giraffes and make lines out of Play-Doh. I'm not talking about that. And then they all go to worship together and while, while the adults go sit and read the Lifeway Quarterly with people their own age and then everybody goes to church. No, I'm saying where youth worship is specifically separated, segregated, segregation now, segregation then, and segregation forever. All right? That's what I think about people who se- segregate worship. I think you're worse than George Wallace. It was George Wallace who said that, right? Maybe it was Strom Thurmond. I don't know. I'm just glad they're gone. They have, these churches have segregated youth worship. It's bad enough that the youth sit in their own little group usually down front and they don't sit with their families anymore I didn't know, whatever <coughs> but I'm talking about how churches have a, a message, a preaching and a singing not a given because the youth don't have any money uh, a separate worship service on a Sunday or a Wednesday where did that come about? why did that come about? And where's, does the Bible explain it different? And why are people doing it? And is it healthy? The answer is no. Last night I was perusing Facebook at Chick-fil-A while my children played on the playground. Because my wife took one of my daughters on a birthday shopping spree. And there I was, alone, with five kids. And they said, Daddy, will you take us out to eat? And I looked at the kitchen, and I looked at the kids, and I said, Where do you want to go? <laughs> So, uh, it's rare for me to take the kids out. I usually take two or three at a time. I can't handle them all. But I took, I took even the baby. She's two, not really a baby. And praise God she fell asleep in the car, so I didn't have to look after her. And after I ate my nuggets, I was sitting there with my Arnold Palmer, perusing Facebook, and messaging back and forth with somebody at work because I <coughs> messed something up. Sorry. Uh, <coughs> and I saw a local youth pastor. I'm not going to name the church. I could, but I'm not going to. In this particular case. 
And a local youth pastor had posted on Facebook a picture of something he called a night of worship, which I guess was a Wednesday night activity because it was Wednesday yesterday. And it was from the youth area at his church. Do you guys ever notice that as church buildings expand, there get to be a there gets to be a youth area, whether it's like upstairs in the education building or a basement or a separate building. They called it the warehouse at First Baptist Woodstock. A lot of times, the youth area will be the old sanctuary. So let's say a church is built and they built a sanctuary in 1970 and then they grew and they said, we need a new modern one and they build one on the property in the year 2000. Well, that sanctuary with all the pews and the stage and the equipment doesn't just go away. They're going to use that. A lot of times they put the youth there. And that's what was happening there. And I was particularly struck by this night of worship, not, not just because of the stupid comment the youth pastor made, which was, hold on, what did he say? So-and-so brought us to the throne last night. And he was talking about the musician. And then, and then the picture is of a dark room, nearly pitch dark, except for the spotlights protruding from the stage with the LCD screen lyrics behind the band. And I'd have to go to verify for sure, but I was pretty sure there was a haze machine. Because one of the reasons they get these haze machines is so that there's something in the air for the LED spotlights to light up. The red and blue and purple spotlights. Whatever color the Holy Spirit is trying to make. However the Holy Spirit's trying to make you feel. Red Holy Spirit spotlights are excited. Blue Holy Spirit spotlights or you're kind of sad about your sin. Purple Holy Spirit spotlights are like the Holy Spirit's there. So whatever Holy Spirit color, it has to be illuminated by the haze. And I made a snarky comment, of course, that oh, I didn't know they had the haze machine in the throne room. But what really struck me about it, which I knew this was a youth event, is that I've been to this church on Sunday before and I like to go there because you know what happens when you walk in on Sunday? The lights are on. If you go to church at this church, the lights are turned on for the sermon and the singing. They don't have spotlight nonsense. They just have a choir and an orchestra and the lights are on and they sing and play the music, play the instruments and people sing. It, <coughs> they don't try to emote you from, for spotlights. And knowing like the current demographics of the older people of this church, I bet if they tried that, they'd have a mutiny on their hands. Somebody might get fired at the next business meeting if they did that. They have what I would, I would call a respectful worship service, which is meant to glorify God and not give you the feelsies and manipulate you. The, pre the good preacher, biblical preacher, I like him personally. He preaches good me uh, messages. So if you're an adult and you walked into this church on a given Sunday, and by the way, I think the youth do go there on the Sunday mornings to the big church, you'd think, this, this is good. Uh, everything is fine. But for whatever reasons, reason or reasons, the powers that be in the leadership of that church have determined that youth need something different. What they need is a dark room and a light show 
with a band playing up front. The manipulation tactics that other churches use in their service is not to be used on the adults there. They use them on the children because it makes it hip and it makes it cool and that's where children want to go. It makes it look like going to a secular concert. Guys, perhaps some of you have wayward or checkered pasts and have been to a nightclub or a concert venue. Not that it's a sin to go to the concert venue. But do you know why they turn the lights off in these concert rooms? Why do you, why do you think they do that? Or why they turn the lights way down low at these nightclubs? Why do you think they do that? Well, there's a multitude of reasons. They're selling drinks to people. And they want people to grind on one another while they're playing sexualized rap or rock and roll music. Dun 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 dun. Got a whole lot of love. Dun dun dun. Got a whole lot of love. Dun 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 dun. Got a whole lot of love. So so Zeppelin's on, and people are grinding on one another. They want people sexually excited, and if the lights are on. Even you can really tell that the ugly people are ugly. But if the lights are dim and the drinks are flowing, everybody looks better. <clears throat> and if the lights are dim, people will probably do things they wouldn't normally do if people were looking at them with the lights on. With the bumping and the grinding and maybe putting your hand down your date's pants while you're out on the dance floor. Like that Steve Harvey song? When the funk hits the fan. Gonna dance till we sweat. Gonna get all stanky and wet. Come on, get with me. Get with me. You ever seen that from the Steve Harvey show? When the funk hits the fan, all the people wanna jam. Come on, get with me. Get with me. When the funk hit the fan, smells like shitlins, grits, and ham. Come on. It's not a real song that you can get on Amazon Music. It's made up for the show. By the way, I still feel tightness <coughs> in my chest with coughing, but I can sing again. I'm getting better. <coughs> I did not sleep well last night. My chest hurt. People go to dark rooms to sin. Especially teenagers. That's why they like dark rooms. Why do youth go to church on Wednesday night? Oh, they go there to learn about God. No, they go there because there's girls. Half of them if, uh, are unregenerate. Now, I know I sound like maybe the pastor, the bad guy, John Lithgow. I don't even know he's not really the bad guy. From Footloose. Everybody ever seen Footlo Footloose with, uh, with Kevin Bacon? And they can't, the town can't dance. Dancing's illegal and the kids want to dance. Those adults know what goes on when, the, when there's dark room and the dancing in the nightclub. Alright? Not defending the repressed townsfolk of, of Beaumont in Footloose. By the way, in, in Footloose, didn't it, <laughs> that pastor is unqualified for the pastoral office. His son died out speeding and drinking one night and his daughter is a foul temptress and a loose girl 
Like he didn't have any control over his household. That John Lithgow should have been fired a long time ago. Anyway, this too with a theological education runs everything, especially a theological education, because you're watching a Hollywood movie and you're like, "Oh, that pastor, he's unqualified. They would have fired him for that." <laughs> Timothy says he doesn't have control of his household. So I'm not trying to be like these stodgy old parents from Footloose. But give me a break. If if I was a, a guy who went to sound engineer school, if I went to full sale university and got a degree in sound engineering and concert presentation, and I and I walked into some church and they said, make it look like the world where kids want to come and think it's cool, I would turn off the lights and get spotlights and say, well, the darker, the better. These kids, instead of hearing the most vapid fish music ever, listen, I looked up the song. I, 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 this, this is how I roll. I, I zoomed in on the Facebook picture and found the, found the lyrics on the LED screen and then looked it up. Some band I never heard of. Some song I never heard of. Surprise, surprise. It wasn't anybody overtly heretical. But I guarantee, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that in that environment some kind of Bethel elevation, passion, or hill song has been played. Somebody, what other books do you want to burn, Seth? Stop it. You've made a party, worldly atmosphere for the kids to come to. What are they learning? How are they being discipled? Dancing around in the dark. You know, I wish I had musical talent and a million dollars. Because I would just arrange for Bruce Springsteen to come sing Dancing in the Dark. Dancing in the Dark. I'd hire Courtney Cox to come, to come be in a video. And, and just, just to make my point, I guarantee you that this room full of kids, if some secular artist walked on stage and started playing secular music, they wouldn't say, this is, this is church, what's going on? They'd be like, heck yeah, yeah. I don't, I, who, who is a young rock artist now? I, I, I'm at the age where I only listen to the people I listened to when I was young. Like These kids don't know who Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are. I, I, I don't know who they like. They come out there. Like Taylor Swift, it was Taylor, Taylor Swift is not rock. Taylor Swift could come out there and be like, asking God if he would do it again. Oh, it's God! They're singing about God. Anyway, here's what I know. That the congregates on a Sunday morning and the staff people, the pastoral staff at that church, they know that that would not fly Sunday morning for worship. They know it wouldn't fly. But for some reason, there is a different worship standard for adults than there, are, than there is for kids, so much so that they, people separate them and say, we're going to do the youth, the youth worship. Could you imagine being the 16, 17-year-old kid who grew up under exegetical preaching, 
grew up in Sunday school, grew up with his, his dad praying with him and, and teaching him at home what to be, and had the, he was truly saved and baptized, and he had this idea of, of the holiness of worship and what it should be, and like knowing that was wrong and walking in there, like this is, this is not right, something's messed up, and you try to tell your friends, and what, what, you know, you're the only one. Where do you think that family's going to do? Well, they're going to pull that kid out of that youth worship. Listen, if I went to that church and had a teenager, that's the last place I'd want my kids to be. I'd say, you're coming with me, or you're not going. I would rather my kids go practice baseball or soccer or flag football or softball on a Wednesday night if that's what people say Wednesday night church is. Calling something... Uh, not a worship and clicking the lights off I guarantee you that same church would not say we're going to have a night of worship in the big sanctuary where all ages can come I guarantee you they wouldn't turn the lights off and shine spotlights everywhere and you know what else I guarantee you half the parents don't know that's going on or half the church members don't know that's going on it, crap like this has been happening for years, but now we have Facebook, and now we have the Christian commute, and now you have me sitting on Facebook at Chick-fil-A saying, what the heck is this? Do you know where your kids are on Wednesday night? My soccer team practices on Wednesday. It has for three seasons. Go ahead and revoke my license to ministry. Uh... The reason why I schedule practice on Wednesday is because I coach a lowly rec league team. The, so the academy teams are, are granted use of a full field, but the lowly rec league teams get half of a field. Or, or you know, it's half of a court in basketball, it's half of a field in soccer. And you can't really get good unless you scrimmage, and you can't really get your plays and offense together and your, your build and your attack together unless you have the full field. So what I noticed is that on Wednesday night, because of church, that the fields are less crowded so I could get a full field on Wednesday. That's why we practice on Wednesday. And I tell my players, I said, if, if you go to church on Wednesday and it conflicts with soccer, You'll never hear a complaint from me or a problem from me if you miss rec soccer practice to go to church on Wednesday because God is what's important. That's what I tell the parents. I send them an email. God's more important. That's more important. Okay? And I have players, and you guys know I disagree with Roman Catholicism 100%. Okay? You guys know that. Well, yeah. Uh, not 100%. Like they, they, they have Jesus being God. They have a lot of right things. But it's the false gospel. 100%. All right. They that the Catholic Church in town, they do catechism on Wednesday night. That's where they sit down and tell the kids like, "Here is what our religion teaches." It's not a party in the dark. It's not dodgeball. It's here's what God says through the magisterium of the Roman Catholic Church. Obviously, I would rather they not be Roman Catholic. But I see them miss for Wednesday, and I would never say, well, don't come, because you're wasting your time. But also have kids that go to Baptist churches, and I tell them, I say, I tell this to the kids, and I say, 
if you're going to church Wednesday, and you know after the Wednesday night meal, you retire to some room and play dodgeball or foursquare, don't miss practice for that. Because what they're doing is just trying to make you have fun so your parents come. Come out here. You'll get more. All right? If you're not learning about God in church, come out here. I can tell you a Bible verse during practice. I don't, you know, come out here and practice with us on Wednesday if that's what church is. And a lot of churches, do they send their kids to some room, the lesson's 10 minutes because they don't think they have an attention span, and then they have a little party on Wednesday. Well, here, people, we're worshiping on Wednesday. This is a night of worship. What do you want to bet? That if Jesus walked around in that room, he'd flick the lights on and say, Woe to you, youth pastor, for you think worship should look like the world. And all you're doing is making converts who are twice the sons of hell as you, and they're going to grow up to when they're 30, and they're going to think this is what the big church could look, should look like, and they're going to turn that worldly. And then their kids are going to be even more worldly than them. Four times the sons of hell. What do you think he might say something like that? And I don't know. I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth. Well, you weren't there, Seth. No, I wouldn't go to some place like that. I'd walk out. I'd yank my kids right out of it. I was down here at Dillinger Park. I'm almost home the other day. This, well, not the other day. This was like a year ago. And the, there was cheerleaders, like eight-year-old cheerleaders dancing around to some song about sodomy. Literally about sodomy. And I went up to the woman. I was like, are you a church-going woman? Yeah, I go to Cross Point. Well, what's your pastor think about your sodomy song? If my daughter was on that cheer squad, yank. It's, it's, it's not enough. you got to dress like this. Yank. We're not going to dance to sodomy songs. Now, I'll tell you what, there was another cheerleading coach out there who was dancing to a worldly song, and I said, why, why are you, I knew she was a church going on, I said, why are you doing this song? She goes, I had, you know what, I'm sorry, I had no idea, I hadn't looked at the lyrics, she was apologetic, and she stopped. Sometimes it works. But you've got to yank your kids out of that. And it's, it's not just about yanking your kids out. Once you've yanked your kids out, I mean, you, you can't yank anybody else's kids out. They're not yours. But what you do need to do, and I know there's members of this church who listen to this podcast, and you know I'm talking about your church. But also, generally speaking, this is happening everywhere. Because I see, I see it in other places, okay? You have got to go to your church me- meeting and say, why does the youth worship look different than the adult worship? Is there a different Ten Commandments for them? Is there a different Bible for them? Is there a different gospel for them? Is there a different expectation on their lives for them? Or is the expectation that the, the old should teach the young ones how they should go? Are we discipling these kids or are we sending them to a concert to make them want to be here? Go to the, go to the sign shop downtown and get you a a big poster like they hold up on the football sidelines you guys you know they're calling the plays and they hold up a picture of a duck and a picture of a mcdonald's sign and a picture of ronald reagan and somehow that means uh i formation to the left i mean i don't know their codes get you one of those signs like they hold up on the on the football fields and get curly bill and have it say well bye and when 
when they say, well, what if they don't come? Hold up Curly Bill and say, bye. If they don't want to come hear about the gospel, if they don't want to come hear God's word taught to them, then forget them. They're of this world. They're not of the church. Stop turning God's house into a dark room with spotlights that looks like a nightclub. Because guess what? Those unregenerate kids are going to figure out when they turn 18 that they can go to the nightclub on Wednesday night. They got two for one beer and it's ladies nights. And I guarantee you they'll hear better music and have a lot more fun on the floor of the dark dance club than they will of what's supposed to be church. And the kids and families who know better are just going along with it. Go get the blue hairs out of the Gleaner Sunday School class one Wednesday night and march them down and say, this is what you're paying for, ladies. What do you think of this? And half of those blue hairs are probably warped in the mind from years of pragmatism saying, oh, well, whatever gets them to come. You can put Curly Bill on my headstone. Bye. I tell you what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote that. That might be my new theme. Bye, you unregenerate bunch of people filling up the church, putting, putting money in the pocket of some KPI-driven senior pastor and all his little staff underlings who say they're men of God. It makes me sick. I could go on forever, but I'm in my driveway. Thanks for listening to the ah, Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about <coughs> being saved. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.